Today we're going to be starting a new series of lessons I will talk about in just a second for the next three weeks, kind of leading up to Easter. Easter is like in three Sundays. Y'all know that? Come on, three Sundays. So, so get those cards. I know the, the ladies got some cool cards out there at the kiosk, but every week we've got some cool invite cards for you. So start thinking about who you want to invite, who you want to bring to church with you. Start praying for them and just start passing out some cards, just telling people, come to me, with, you know, come meet me at church and let's just, let's just kind of do the church thing today. And, and, uh, uh, more people are open to come to church than you would actually think. Statistically, uh, like uh, four out of five, almost 80% of the people, they said, if somebody invited me, I'd come to church. So, so use that, especially at this time, especially this season, when we start talking about, uh, about Easter. That's generally the number one day that people will be coming uh, to church. But uh, uh, kind of leading up to Easter in several weeks, and we'll have a, a great, great service. Hope you'll be a part of that with us. Uh, on this weekend, I've got to cut three weeks to kind of get a ramp up to where we want to go. And, and I just want to kind of like bring three separate points to you, three separate thoughts, three separate weeks uh, that kind of culminate this one big thought. We'll talk about it in the next, in the next couple of seconds. But kind of leading up to kind of where I want to go, set the ground groundwork. Uh, if, you, if you're new to church, uh, I'll kind of give you a background a little bit, kind of leading up where I want to go today. And if you've you're been in church, you'll understand and recognize uh, this story quite quite easily because uh, you've probably read it before and heard it, whether it's in kids ministry or or in church wherever you've been or been with us for years. Uh, the, the book of Genesis is the first book of the Bible, and it, and it ends. Uh, Genesis 37 starts with a guy named Joseph. It was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph was one of his twelve sons. And Joseph winds up just through, too long to tell the story, but winds up in Egypt and and winds up really saving the entire nation of Egypt through a dream God gave him. And that the, the Pharaoh actually acted on this dream and, and seven years of plenty and seven years of famine wound up turning around for their good because they listened to what God said. But then also through that encounter, uh, Joseph's family, his father, Jacob, and all his lineage was saved from starvation. That, that's how Genesis ends. And then Exodus, for some of you that remember, it's the next book in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus. Exodus begins where the nation of Israel, through, through Joseph and, and the prodigy of, of the family, they were just experiencing explosive growth. But the Bible says this, that, that the Pharaoh, again, through the course of decade and decade and decade, Joseph died, and you know, and the next generation came, and, and then a Pharaoh died, another Pharaoh died, another Pharaoh died, that this Pharaoh didn't remember Joseph, didn't remember the good that he did in saving not only his family, but the entire nation. And so the, the, the Pharaoh kind of rose up and said, hey, man, these dudes are, 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 are getting more populous than us. Uh, they're increasing. It's, it's kind of like now we would kind of think about it maybe in the terms of things that are going on in different parts of the world, maybe Europe. And, and they're trying to shut down immigration because an influx of a certain kind of people that's going to take over their entire country, kind of similar. And so Pharaoh came up with this idea, and Pharaoh said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to kill the firstborn boys that are born. So we're going to stop all the, the, the boys being born here, kind of like Hitler, kind of like that. It's always been going on. And so the nation of Israel, they, they, they had a, a, just a, a terrible time. Their, their kids were being killed. Their sons were being killed. But there was a, a certain son that was born uh, godly parents, and they saw that the, as this child was being born, they actually hid the pregnancy from the, the people. And, and this child was born whose name was Moses. And, and Moses then was, mother hid him in the bulrushes. You remember the story? Some of you have seen movies and things like that. And Pharaoh's daughter actually was there and saw the child in the bulrush and, and took that child out of there. And was, then Moses was raised in the home of a king, Pharaoh. And it was all the hand of God. It's amazing how God works. And, 
you look back at your life and go, man, I didn't think how, that God would do that or how did God do that? And you could see the, really the handiwork of God maybe as you look back in your life. And this is a story on how the Exodus begins. And Moses was raised in a place that he had, there's no way he could have got there by himself. And, and he was raised in the language, he was raised in the culture, he was raised in the custom. And he was raised in that situation for about 40 years. And finally, there came a time that, that he realized that these aren't my people. My people are the Hebrews, and, and they're being mistreated, and they were being, they were being whipped, and they were actually being used to build the economy of Egypt and the pyramids and everything else that was going on. It was a terrible situation. They were crying out to God, God deliver us, and, and God was raising up a guy, unbeknownst to them, named Moses, who would be their deliverer. And that came that time that, that, that Moses was, was trying to act on his delivering mentality, if you will, and call. And, and you know the story, some of you, that he actually saw some guys fighting and he, he interjected and intervened. And, and he, he killed a guy that was trying to kill somebody else. And, and his, his uh, plot was found out. And so he ran away to the desert. He ran away. And in the backside of the desert, he was there for 40 years. So, so Moses' life, just kind of a side thought... Moses lived to be 120 years old, and, and his life is really in three 40-year segments. Uh, 40 talks about judgment, really talks about that. That, that. that first 40 years of his life, he was in Egypt. The next 40 years of his life, he was on the backside of the desert, feeding sheep away from God, running from God, hiding. And the last 40 years of his life is what we really read about in the Bible, where he became a deliverer. So he comes back, you know the story, some of you, he comes back and, and he, he looks out there and he's in, in, in the desert, he's feeding sheep and there's a bush burning and, and God starts talking about the burning bush, come on, everybody's seen Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston, right? And they hear Moses, Moses, he looks at the bush and, and God starts talking to him and uh, too long a story, but you get it, yeah, he, God talks to him and he goes back to Pharaoh and he winds up being used by God to be a deliverer. There were nine plagues that God used him. He was the, the actuary of these plagues coming in the nation of Israel. But, but Pharaoh's heart kept growing harder and harder and harder. And God then comes and tells Moses that this is going to be the last one. And, and I'm going to get you out. I'm going to deliver you from the bondage of all these people. And here's what's going to happen. I want you all to go to your house. Every Israel, every Hebrew, go to your house. And take a lamb and offer that lamb, sacrifice that lamb, roast it with fire, eat the whole lamb, have nothing left. And make sure you take the blood of the lamb and put it over the doorpost of your house, because when I see the blood, come on somebody help me, I'm going to pass over. I'm going to pass over. And so all the Hebrews did that. We, we think they all did. Maybe some of them didn't do it, but, but, but all what we know, they did that. And, and the death angel passed over, and that night... There was something awful, something tragic, something that never happened before, and all the other plagues that happened that night in Egypt. The death angel killed the firstborn of all the Egyptians and or all their firstborn animals. And it was great lamentation in the land. That was the breaking point between the nation of Israel being released and the Egyptians letting them go. And then finally they let them go to go worship the God of their far forefathers in the wilderness. But it really wasn't over. You know the story. Some of you. Pharaoh, after several days, said, what have we done? And he went tracking after them. Remember that? And they came to the Red Sea. Moses sees the Red Sea in front of him. Doesn't know what he's going to do. He sees the nation of Israel come behind him. And God says, stretch out your rod. Come on. So he stretches out his rod. God supernaturally parts the Red Sea. The nation of Israel goes across the Red Sea. Goes across the Red Sea. And the nation of, or the whole nation of the Egyptians come and God shuts the sea and God completely delivers Israel from their 
captors. Can somebody say amen? So when, when, when we talk about like the Old Testament, Moses was this real life superhero. And if you talk to uh, a Jewish man or a Jewish woman, Moses was the superhero in the Old Testament, and rightfully so. What he did was, was amazing. Late, later on, after that whole encounter, God takes him up to a mountain and God gives him the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. In fact, he gave them to him twice, if you know the story. Uh, he gave God, you know, God gave Moses the law of God, the, the, the commandment of God, all the ordinance that they were to keep. And you, if you get bogged down, you can read it in the book of Leviticus, what they were to do and what they were to keep. And really, guys, it was that way for 1300 years until Jesus shows up. And it's that way today in the nation of, uh, of Israel, by and large. And, and what's sad is that that same thought is in most Christians and is in most churches to, to this day. But what we know from the Bible, we know from a couple scriptures in the Old Testament, and what we know from what Jesus said, and that's where we want to go today, and want to camp there for a second, is that God's always the same. The Bible says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But how many know He's always doing something new? And so for the next several weeks, here's where we want to go. Here's the theme. Here's the thought. Here's where we want to go. We, well, I want to talk to you just about this thought for the next several weeks. All things new. All things new. Because if Jesus came to do something new, and we're still thinking and operating under something old, we're never going to have, uh, we're just never going to have the new. Today I want to talk to you about, come on, you note takers, you can write it down. Here's the thought we're going to get today. Uh, we're going to talk today that Jesus came to establish a new covenant. Can you say new covenant? New covenant. Now I thought, you know, really to be honest with you, I'll just, I just t- tell you, I, I, I thought this phrase new covenant, I thought this phrase, new, you know, this new covenant, or, and we'll talk about another word in a minute, it, that it'd be all over the Bible. It'd be all over the Bible. But it's really only mentioned one time. I mean, it's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's only mentioned in, in, in when Jesus talked about this. And we want to go there today. So it's a lengthy passage of Scripture. And as we kind of leading up towards looking at Easter, some of you will remember the content. But, but Jesus has been on the earth for over three years, almost three and a half years. In fact, this is the last night of Jesus' life physically on the earth. And he's got his disciples there, and he's hanging out with them. Let's pick up the story in Matthew chapter 26, verse 17. On the first day of the feast on the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and said, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? Come on, you remember the Passover? We're talking Moses, the Passover. Been going on for 1,300 years. Where do you want us to prepare the Passover? He said, go into a city of a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time's at hand. I'm going to eat the Passover at your house with my disciples. Wow. The disciples did as Jesus directed them, and they found that guy, evidently, and they prepared the Passover. When the evening came, he, meaning Jesus, sat down with the twelve, the twelve disciples. And as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each of them began to say, Lord, is it I? And he answered, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And Jesus said to him, You have said it. You've said it. Verse 26. And as they were eating, clue in here, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, clue on verse 28, 
For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission, or the word remission just simply means forgiveness of sins. Again, verse 28, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now, now for some of you that are like me, I'm non-Jewish, and probably everybody in the room is non-Jewish, and probably everybody in the room has never been Jewish. And so you were never raised in synagogue. You were never raised, you know, you were never raised thinking uh, concerning the scripture because the, the Jews believed that Jesus was a prophet. The Jews believed that Jesus was a teacher. The Jews believed that Jesus was a good man. But the Jews concerning right now, they don't believe that he was the son of God, that he was the son of God, and that his blood is the redeeming factor. They don't believe it. They're still waiting for the Messiah. But for you and me, for me raising t- church all my life, taking communion all my life from the time I'm a little kid, like some of you, this is blasé. This is big deal. This is whatever new come. But for in that time, at that at that generation, at that table, as Jesus has got his twelve disciples there, and he says, "We ain't talking about the Passover no more. We're talking about a new covenant being established." Wow. So instead of this night, think with me. Your whole life, it's all about you're pointing back to Moses. You're pointing back to a house with blood on the door. You're pointing back to an angel that would come over and kill all the firstborn that delivered you and all your grandparents and all your family from Egyptian bondage. But now Jesus says, we ain't talking about that night no more. We're talking about this night. Jesus made the whole night about him. And if Jesus made the whole night about him, why are we trying to organize our life around something that's old? Jesus again said, this is my blood of the new covenant. These guys had no idea what he was talking about. What new covenant? What new covenant? What new covenant? Now, we don't even use that term. So, so, so let me just kind of give you a little definition on the screen here. The word covenant means a testament. It means a will. It means an agreement. So, so, so uh, if you're, if you're kind of new to church and, and maybe you, don't, you, you haven't been around, man, we're just going to explain it to you real quick. We've got this book, and it's called a Bible. It's called a Bible. It's got 66 books. The first 39 books are called the Old Covenant, or we call it the Old, come on, help me out, Testament, the Old Testament. Some people call it the Old Will, the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. Then there's a New Testament. Hey, come on, it's got 27 books. It's got, it's got 27 books in the first four. We really can't even, we call it New Testament, but it's really not the New Testament. It is, we call it that, but it's really not. It should be just called the Gospels because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are completely different than really the new because they are still operating really under the old because Jesus didn't die yet. But we call it new, but so, so don't, don't, don't lose me there. Don't, 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 don't get off on that for just a second. But, but what we know about a covenant, and what we know, and just explain this just a second, or a testament, or a will, or agreement, is this, that the word covenant is used to speak of God coming into close relationship with man. When we see covenant in the Bible, uh, we, we see that God made covenant. We, we see this a couple different ways, and you remember this. Uh, we see God making a covenant with Noah after the flood. Come on. Anybody remember what the sign of the covenant is? A rainbow. A rainbow. God said, I'm going to put the rainbow in the clouds, and when you see that in the sky, that's a sign I'm never going to flood the earth again. Come on, somebody. I don't care what they say about California cracking off and going and being flooded forever. Come on, God's got something up in the sky called a rainbow. Come on, everybody. Come on. Are y'all out there this morning? All right. 
God made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He made a covenant of circumcision with Abraham, with Isaac, and Jacob. And then God made a covenant with Moses. God made a covenant with him. God made a covenant with the nation of Israel by giving them laws and ordinances and the Ten Commandments that we know about. So a covenant is where God is coming in close relationship with man and mankind. And Jesus on that night says, I'm come to give you a new covenant, a new testament, a new will, a new agreement, a new agreement. Now, Again, on this night, this most important night in the Jewish culture called Passover, where the whole night is remembering that we have been liberated from the hold and the bondage of Egypt, Jesus says there's a new covenant that's going to be established beginning tonight. Beginning tonight. Jesus uses this meal, and Jesus talks about his body being broken, not eating of a lamb. Now, some of y'all should, that, that have been around for a while and been reading the Bible for a while, you should be clicking when you hear the word lamb when Jesus' cousin named John the Baptist is getting ready to baptize him, and John the Baptist sees Jesus coming up, and he says this, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John says, John has a prophetic word. John gets insight into who his cousin is at that moment. They could have been playing sticks all their life. They could have been funning around, messing around all their life. But now John, in his role as a predecessor for Jesus, making the way for Jesus to come, John all of a sudden gets a word from God to say, that is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In other words, something new is happening with that guy right there. And so as Jesus is around this table with his twelve, and they're, 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 they're doing what they've done for 1,300 years. They're doing what they've done, remembering the Passover. Jesus says, it's not just about this lamb, this now that we're going to be partaking of, and this bread, symbolic, is my body. And the blood isn't just the blood of a lamb. The blood and this drink that we're going to be drinking is my blood shed to give to remove your sins. Jesus is saying something different is about to happen. With Moses, what we see here in the Old Testament, God delivered them, we could really say, from a man. But now Jesus, we're going to find out, is going to deliver us from the power of sin. The power of sin. Look at me real quick to the book of Jeremiah. Look at Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah, again, hundreds of years before this event, Jeremiah prophesies in chapter 31, verse 31, and he says this, Behold, the days are coming. It's future. It's future. Says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. There it is again. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. What's that? That's the Exodus. That's the Exodus. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, 
But this is the covenant, verse 33, that I'm going to make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds, and I'll write it on their hearts. I'll be their God, and they'll be my people. I'm going to have a law. I'm going to have commandments. I'm going to have a way. I'm going to have a word. It's not going to be on stone. It's going to be in their heart. It's going to be in their mind. It's going to be in their life. No more, verse 34 says, shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, quote, know the Lord, for they all will know me. From the least to the greatest of them, says the Lord. There'll be a knowing. I'm going to put a knowing in every man and every woman's heart that they'll have a beacon in their life to say, why am I here? You can know God. You can find freedom. Come on, you can discover purpose. You can make a difference in your life. It's not just going to be a moral code. It's not going to be ten commandments on a stone. It's going to be something that's in your mind, something that's in your heart. And he goes on, he just finishes, and he says, For I'll forgive their iniquity and their sin I'll remember no more. Can you say amen to that? Man, we could say it this way. The Old Covenant or the Old Testament was external. The New Covenant is going to be internal. It's not going to be written on a law, on, 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 on just a stone. And, and some of you that remember the story, that what the Ark of the Covenant, remember that the Ark of the Covenant signified God's presence. And, and wherever the Ark of the Covenant went, God kind of went, God showed up. And in the Ark of the Covenant, one of the three things that was in there was the Ten Commandments on stone that Moses actually wrote. It was there signifying God's Word, God's presence. But no longer is it just going to be on stone written by the hand and the fingerprint of the finger of God. It's now going to be written in our heart. Well, we've got to have what Jesus is saying, what he said, and what now Jeremiah is saying, is that the power of God that was from heaven, writing on stone, showing God's will and God's purpose and God's plan in just these Ten Commandments, was now going to be written on your heart. It's going to be internal. It's going to be internal. Secondly, that the old covenant we could find, we could really say, was about rules. It was about rules. And the new covenant, we're going to find out, is about relationship. It's about relationship. And what we know, what we already said, is that this covenant, God would actually come to a man. God came to Noah. God came to Abraham. God came to uh, Isaac. God, God came to Moses. God came to different men and made covenants. No longer is God just going to come to a man, but God's going to come now to every man. Every man. Every man. So again, over this Passover meal, over that night, right before Jesus was going to go to the cross, right before Jesus was going to be tortured, and before he's going to pay the penalty for our sins, he uses this Passover meal, and he uses it to, to show us that something's changing. There's going to be a new covenant that's going to be established tonight, and it's going to be established forever. And if it's new, let's not stay hooked to something old. If it's new, let's follow through with what is new. <laughs> but how many of you know, it is very tough so many times to let go of the old. Old thoughts, old ways, old habits, old beliefs. And yet Jesus is saying, the life that I'm going to live, the life that I'm going to lay down for you so that you could live, it's going to be ratified by my life, by my blood, by, by my giving of myself. Not by the blood of an animal, read that in just a second. Not by any kind of other sacrifice that they had to do and, and that was a foreshadowing of who he was and what he was going to do. 
that I'm going to give my life for you so that your life can have me in you. You do realize in the Old Testament that Jesus or God wasn't in anybody. The power of God would come on somebody to do something amazing, but God wasn't living inside anybody. Everything they did was kind of like, if you do this, you get this. If you don't do this, this is what you get. Kind of cause and effect. And now Jesus is saying, there's going to be something entirely new. I'm going to actually move on the inside of you where you're going to actually be able to hear me, know me, follow me, and serve me. Come on, everybody. We got it way better. Come on, we got it way better. So, so, so look at me real quick to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4. We'll have the scripture on the screen here for you. Hebrews 10, verse 4. Hebrews 10, 4. It says this, For it is not possible. Come on, read that out loud with me. Would you do it? For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It is not possible. It is not possible. Look, it is not possible. Not possible. Impossible for the blood of bulls. And what's the blood of bulls and goats talking about? Again, Old Testament. The Old Testament, that they would offer up these sacrifices. And when you read it, some of you that have done that, it, what, what it's telling us is that, is that there was always a remembrance. Every time an animal, they, they would bring an animal to be sacrificed. They give it to the priest, and the priest would then offer it up to God. Blood was shed to, to cover their sins, never to remove their sins. Listen, in the New Covenant, your sins aren't covered that God's always coming back pointing them out to you. Do you remember when you did that? I remember when you did that. God doesn't do that to you. Your sins have been completely removed. That's why he says you're now a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away. Come on, somebody help me. All things are made new. Come on, made new. God's not remembering. He's not holding your your sins over your head. I remember when you did that. And that sometimes we think old. We think old. And we go, well, this is happening in my life because I did. That's Old Testament. That's Old Covenant. The minute you ask Jesus to forgive you, the minute you ask, let me say it this way, that's the wrong way to say it, forgive me. The minute you ask the Father to forgive you in the name of Jesus, we don't ask Jesus to forgive us anything. We go to the Father in the name of Jesus. When we do that, he says he completely forgives you of all your sin and cleanses you from all unrighteousness. And what we know from that word, he puts us back in a place of right standing with him like we never sinned before. Come on, somebody. But the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, every year I'm dragging a goat. Yep, I did it again this year. I was brutal. I was brutal. I was brutal. Yep. Had adultery again this year. Yep. Lied on my taxes again this year. Yep. 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 Kept, kept doing that. Kept saying that. Kept, kept gossiping. Kept lusting. Kept wanting something. Kept greedy. Yep. Here it is. Every year. Every year. Could never cleanse me and or you, old covenant, uh, from our sin. So it says here, again, it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That's why we needed something new. Look on the screen. I might make you nervous saying this. might make you mad at me, but I'll say it anyway. 
You need to read, think, and live like what you read from Jesus and the New Testament authors. Read, think, and live like what you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the New Testament authors. If you've ever used the Word of God to hurt and not to heal, you're using an old covenant model. If you've ever used the Word of God to convict someone and not release compassion towards them, you're using an old covenant model. Every historical fact of the Crusaders and everybody, what they did in conquest was never a New Testament model. It was always based on the Old Covenant. Rout out the pagan. Rout out the enemy. Kill the homosexuals. Kill all those people. They're the wrong color. They're the wrong language. They worship the wrong God. Kill them. Wipe them out. Old covenant. Not new covenant. You can't find the new covenant. So when we mix and match covenants, here's what's going to happen. We're going to get confused and we're going to get frustrated. The writer of Hebrews gives us more insight into the New Covenant and the Old Covenant than any other author. So whoever wrote that book gives us more insight. We don't exactly know who wrote it, but gives us more insight. So if you want to kind of find out more about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, how God thinks about the New Covenant, you read the book of Hebrews. And so let's just kind of give you a couple thoughts, a couple tidbits here for a second. In Hebrews chapter 8, Verse 6, it says, But now Jesus, our high priest. Again, remember in the Old Covenant, uh, if I've got an issue, I've got a sin, I've got my animal, I, I can't go to God. I can't go to God. I can't go to God. I go to the high priest who goes to God. I need somebody to, to, be, the, to be the hook that gets me to the, the higher up, gets me to God. I can't go by myself. So the writer of Hebrews says, But now Jesus... He's become our high priest. Come on, he's, he's our high priest. So you don't need to come to me confess your sins. Who, you, you go to the Father, through Jesus, because he's your high priest. Because his blood's been shed. Now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that's far superior than the old priesthood. For he's the one who mediates for us. Notice, a far better covenant with God based on better promises. A far better covenant based on better promises. Come on, we got a far better covenant based on better promises. So when we read the Old Testament, when we read the Old Covenant, as good as some of it is, the Bible says we got a way better covenant. We've got a way better testament. And when you read how good it was... That should just make us go, my Lord, if it's so good then, what am I thinking? I got it way better now because of Jesus. 
I don't know about you, but when I'm, I know some of you like old cars, and I like old cars. I only like old cars if I got a new car, too. I'll just be honest with you. I, I love I love looking at old cars. And there was a time in my life years ago, maybe 10 years ago, I was thinking, man, I'd love this old, cool Mustang, whatever. But it didn't, no, no power brakes. No, 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 no. I mean, just nothing. No power windshields. No, I mean, it's like you, when you want to, you know, you got a little rain down here. You got to kind of, it doesn't have automatic little adjustments. Where it's, you know, it, it gives you the windshield the way you want it. I mean, I don't like that. I mean, it's okay if you want to do a little Sunday afternoon ride. But, man, how many know news just better than old? News just better than old. I mean, I just like news. I mean, old clothes are cool, but how many know new clothes are probably a little bit better? We've got a better covenant. It's called a new covenant. If it's new and it's for you, I, I think we should find out what it's about and live our life according to that. If the old, what it says has passed away. <laughs> Hebrews 8.13, check it on the screen. When God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date and will soon disappear. Uh, he, he, he's writing, he's telling us, to the, the, the Hebrews here, he says, guys, that covenant's out of date. That covenant's done. That covenant is finished. That, that covenant is over. That covenant is not going to rise again. It is over. And if you are trying to live your life under that covenant, you are going to be frustrated. You are going to be, you are going to have issues in your life where you wonder, is God not hearing me? Uh, uh, I thought I'm doing the right thing. And, or is God causing this in my life? The old covenant would say, I must be under a curse. But the new covenant says, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. He became a curse for me. He took it for me. I, I, I must have done something. You know, you know we, read, we, 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 we read stuff in the old covenant. And we read stuff like David in Psalm 51. And it's there. And it's a beautiful thing. David, after sinning with Bathsheba, after causing Bathsheba's husband Uriah to be killed on the battlefield... His heart is smitten and he's broken when the prophet talks to him, Nathan. And he says in Psalms 51, it's him crying out to God, God, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Phenomenal. But Old Testament, Old Covenant, if you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, the Bible says, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. If I'm one spirit with the Lord, how would He create a clean heart or a clean spirit in me if my spirit's the same as His? I'm thinking Old Covenant. I'm thinking Old Testament. I'm thinking wrong. And maybe that's why I'm not getting answers to prayer. Maybe that's why I'm battling things in my own mind right now. One more scripture. Hebrews 9, 12. With his own blood, speaking of Jesus, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place for all time and secured our redemption forever. Come on, forever. Forever. So when Jesus went to heaven... 
forever he secured our redemption. Never, the Bible says, to have to appear again and again or be sacrificed again and again like all the Old Testament. He did it once and it was done. Now, what's amazing about Jesus, his patience, his long-suffering to work with us and to work with people like you and me, is just staggering. Because we read about it when he did for three and a half years with his disciples. It was, it was just crazy. Uh, meaning, after it's all said and done, when you read the book of Acts, so we've got, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the whole three and a half years, basically, of Jesus' life, you know, the birth at the very first, but the, almost all those authors are writing about his life, the signs, the wonders, the miracles, and the teachings. When he comes to the very end, uh, he's, you know, the cross, the resurrection, and they didn't even believe him, and he's walking through the wall, and he's showing, you know, Thomas doesn't believe, you know, the hands, the feet, the whole thing. And in the book of Acts, right after that, Jesus has got about 40 days that he's going to be with these disciples before the ascension. So the resurrection means up from the grave. The ascension means he's leaving the earth and he's going to heaven forever. So he's there in heaven right now. But before that happens, he gets with his disciples. He's all there and he's talking to them these final things that he's trying to talk to them. He's been with them for three and a half years about. And, and, and they say to him right there, it's kind of crazy. They say, is now the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, they're saying... We know you were here and you raised some dead. Man, hooray, Jesus, you're the man. You're way better than Moses. Now, is this the time that you're going to really deliver us and break the bondage of Rome off of us just like Moses broke the bondage of the Egyptians off of our forefathers? Is this the time? They didn't even get it. They didn't even get it. They didn't get it. They didn't get it. They think that Jesus is going to be a governmental leader. On the earth. And there's one day that's going to happen. But Jesus didn't come to do that. Jesus came to be the governmental leader of your heart forever and ever. (laughs) And it took them a process to get that. And for a lot of us, I think it's taken, taken a process. They really thought Jesus was going to be Old Covenant, Old Testament, you know, 2.0, new operating system. That's all. But Jesus came to get rid of the old, and Jesus came to usher in the new. So the question has to be, what, what would that look like? What, what, what does that look like? Come back next week, and we'll, we'll tell you. We'll tell you next week. We'll tell you next week. Come back next week. So let me give you a couple thoughts. I've got just a couple seconds left to be with you this morning. What do we do with all this? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do with all this? What do we do with this new covenant in the New Testament? What do we do with it all? Let me just give you four thoughts to think about. Number one, read Old Testament. Read the Old Testament. Read the stories. Read the events. Read the characters to see what happened. Read about it. You're going to get great insight. You read the Genesis account. You read what happened. You read how different people, you read interaction. You read what people did right. You read what people did wrong. You read the stories. Read it. Absolutely. Read the Old Testament stories, events. Read the book of Psalms. Read the book of Proverbs. Absolutely. But, secondly, do most of your reading, do most of your reading from the New Covenant. Do most of your reading from the New Covenant. Do most of your reading from the New Covenant. New Covenant. Because that's the New Covenant. This is where you live. The New Covenant. Come on. So, so, so read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read the Gospels about Jesus' life. Read what he said. But, 
But, but read over there in the book of Ephesians and the Philippians and Colossians. Read the book of Romans. Read the Corinthians. And let God talk to you about it because that's your covenant. That's your testament. That is for you today. A couple more thoughts. Make sure that the prayers you pray are New Testament based. I can't stress this enough. Make sure the prayers you pray are New Testament based. In the New Testament, God's coming from an angle that Jesus has already died for you. So you don't have to beg me for anything. You're a son, you're a daughter, you're a child of God. Find out what's already been provided for you in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and talk to me, God's saying, about what I've already provided for you and stand on that promise. So make sure the prayers you pray are New Testament based. Just lastly, for some of you, make sure the songs you sing are New Testament based. Because can I just tell you, I'm, listening, I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, I'm, I'm talking about Christian songs. Make sure, I mean, I, I, we were listening to a song, I told Kimberly, hey man, I like the beat of this song. You know, I'm just kind of like a beat person, I'm kind of like a music person, beat person. And, and then we got started listening to the lyrics, and it's a great song, it's got a catchy beat, but it's just not scriptural. It's awesome. But it, what it was doing was the song was bringing us back to the old covenant. God, we want you to do this, we want you to do this, we want you to do this. And the new covenant says... I've already done it. 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 So God, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, but I think God's up in heaven going, doggone it. Can't you guys see I've done it? It's new covenant. It's new testament. It's ratified in the blood of Jesus. Come on, everybody. So we got to get out of the old. Now, now let, me, let me say it this way. Uh, um. We celebrate the old. We celebrate the old. It had its day. It had its place, Jesus is saying. But it's done. Something better's come. Something better's come. So if we're going to function in the now, if we're going to function in what God has for us, we're going to have to function in this better covenant. Come on, bow your head. Would you do that? Close your eyes. Father, we just thank you that you've come to make all things new through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank you for everything we see in the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. Thank you for all the lives that we can glean insight from Moses and Joshua, Abraham, Noah, Isaiah, Solomon, the Psalms, the Proverbs, all those other minor and major prophets. But Jesus, you came to fulfill the Old and you did it. So, Father, I pray that we would help, help us think in line with the new. Help us think in line and pray in line and act in line with who you are right now and what you're doing in our lives. Help us think new covenant, new testament. Help us pray new covenant. Help us speak New covenant. Help us, oh God, grow. We want to grow. Come on, while your head bows, your eyes closed. Come on, no one looking around. The most important thing that we do around here isn't the worship side of things. That's amazing, connecting with God and worship. Hope you enjoyed that. Or the 
message. Hope you enjoyed the message. I really do. But it brings us to this point right now that we always give anyone in the room an opportunity to connect with God. Not necessarily connect with our church. We think this is an amazing church, and we would love for you to be here. If you're looking for a place, we welcome you. But if you're visiting, this is for you as well. The question you have to ask yourself is, do do I know Jesus? Do, do, Do I know him? Do I know him? Is he Lord of my life? What would happen if I died today? Would would I spend eternity with him? Or would I spend eternity separated from him? I believe what the Bible says. I believe what Jesus said. I believe what the New Testament authors said that lived with him, that gave their life for following him. They sacrificed. They died for this belief, seen and knowing. And we've got the testimony in these words contained in what we call the Bible. So if you're here today and you're away from Jesus, you're away from God... You've left, kind of you've gone another way. Maybe you were hurt by the church. Maybe you were hurt by relationship. And you're on your own. You just found yourself out drifting at sea, doing your own thing. But you're saying today, I want something new, or I want to be renewed. We want to pray for you.